good to see y'all here. We're from Southern California, so it's good to see y'all. Yeah. It's uh, 4th of July weekend. My granddaughter says, I don't know why everybody says it's 4th of July weekend. 4th of July is on Tuesday. It's not on the weekend. But hey, we're celebrating it this weekend, aren't we? We won't be celebrating it next weekend. It's this weekend. So it's 4th of July weekend, and I want to thank you for being here this morning. If you noticed my shirt, I wear it proudly. If any of you have ever received a flag folded like this, you understand the depth. It hits you at that moment that it's presented at that memorial or funeral service. Somebody who gave their life, served their time for the freedoms that we have. And that's what we celebrate. In just a couple of days, we celebrate our birthday as a nation, the freedoms we have. I believe we live in and on the greatest nation on the planet. I believe that with all my heart. I also understand we're not perfect. We're far from it. But we have much to be grateful for. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for that. Amen. This morning, I'm continuing a series called Overcoming Times of Difficulty. Now, I realize this message will probably not benefit anybody here because you've never gone through any times of difficulty, right? You know I'm being sarcastic, right? Overcoming times of difficulty takes great effort on our part to realize that we can, you and I can, overcome. And the message title this morning will make a lot of sense at the end of the message, but it's called Shake It Off and Step Up. Shake It Off and Step Up. We're in Matthew chapter 10. I'd like you to turn there in your Bibles or your smart device, Matthew chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 24 through 33, Matthew chapter 10, verse 24 through 33. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, I thank you for today, Lord, that we can come together, fellowship, commune, and worship you, recognizing today's the Lord's day, the day that Jesus rose from the grave, and we celebrate that. We're grateful that we can freely look at the word without persecution right here in Menifee, California. We're grateful Uh, how you will encourage and challenge those through your word. Your word is powerful. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 24, excuse me, verse 24, chapter 10, starting with verse 24. Students are not greater than their teacher. This is Jesus talking. He's communicating to his disciples. And he says, and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called even worse names. I'll stop there just for a moment because you'll recall as Jesus has been doing ministry, the religious leaders of his time, the Pharisees, they were connecting what he was doing, the great miracles and the the amazing things that Jesus did with people. They were equating that with works of the devil. Of course, Jesus, almost in a rhetorical way, would say, well, why would the devil cast out the devil? That makes no sense, and it doesn't make any sense. But Jesus is saying here that uh, 
you're, you're, you're of me, you're part of me, and, and I've gone through difficult times, and you're going to go through difficult times. Verse 26 says, but don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time's coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. When I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Verse 32, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. And so here we see in these just few verses, Jesus is giving definitive teaching about discipleship, and he's setting forth really the true nature and really the demands that are going to be upon his disciples. I like what uh, John MacArthur said. He said, when Jesus called the 12 to himself, he carefully instructed them about what they would be expected to do and to endure. In so doing, he excluded the half-hearted people who wanted the benefits of the kingdom, but not its commitments. They wanted the benefits of the kingdom, the benefits of Christianity, but not the commitments. He elected to himself only those who were willing to enter the narrow gate and walk the narrow road. The scriptures are clear. Jesus even talks about how the road to hell is broad, the road to destruction, and the path to heaven is narrow, and that's what's implied here. So the emphasis on this block of scripture that I read this morning out of Matthew 10, it's, it's really that of not fearing, fear not, and the fear of confessing Christ openly and publicly before men. And, and listen, God has no secret service. Uh, public confession of faith is something that we do. It, it's evidence of true salvation. And, and many times it's more than just words. It's your actions. It's your, it's your life that, that uh, signifies who you're following. I want to share a story with you. It's, it's involved, so I'm going to read it. But it's, it's a historical story. It's fact. He was a professional thief. His name stirred fear as the desert wind stirred tumbleweeds. He terrorized the Wells Fargo stage line for 13 years. Roaring like a tornado in and out of the Sierra Nevada, spooking the most rugged frontiersmen. In journals from San Francisco to New York, his name became synonymous with danger of the frontier. And during his reign of terror from 1875 to 1883, He's credited with stealing the bags and the breath away from 29 different stagecoach crews. And he did it all without firing a shot. His weapon was his reputation. 
His ammunition was intimidation. A hood hit his face. No victim ever saw him. No artist ever sketched his features. No sheriff could ever track his trail. He never fired a shot or took a hostage. He didn't have to. His presence was enough to paralyze. His name? Black Bart. He was a hooded bandit armed with a deadly weapon. What was his deadly weapon? Fear. His deadly weapon was fear. Did you know fear has prevented many Christians from experiencing the joy that Jesus offers us? Fear of death, fear of failure, fear of God, fear of tomorrow. The list goes on. Fear is the goal to create a cowardly and joyless soul. The devil wants you to take your eyes off the mountain peak and settle for the dull existence of the flatland. And by the way, remember Black Bart? Turns out he wasn't anything to be afraid of either. When the hood came off, there was nothing to fear. When the authorities finally tracked down the thief, they didn't find a bloodthirsty bandit from Death Valley. They found a mild-mannered pharmacist from Decatur, Illinois. <laughs> oh, boy. The man papers pictured storming through the mountains on horseback was in reality afraid of horses. He rode to and from his robberies in a buggy. He was Charles E. Bowles, the bandit who never once fired a shot because he never once loaded his gun. That's from the rest of the story, Paul Harvey. True story. Fear grips us. It paralyzes us. It keeps us from moving forward. And I believe that is what this passage is dealing with when Jesus is communicating to his disciples, his followers, that they're going to struggle. They're going to go through difficult times. Remember, Jesus at one point said, if you choose to abide in me, you will suffer tribulation. Not a fun message, not a fun thing to hear in church that if you follow Jesus, you're going to go through difficult times. But please understand this, friends. Understanding who you are, your identity in Christ, your identity in Christ, and, and what Christ gives us as his followers gives us the ability to look at and perceive things very differently than the average person who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We look at uh, problems, not as problems, but as challenges and, and victories, potential victories, because those victories are had and completed and solidified through Jesus Christ. So it changes your whole perspective about encountering things of uncertainty. And so we're talking about fear, and I want to share with you several reasons why we should not be afraid to openly confess Christ, to live for Christ. And the first one is this. It's important. Expect persecution. Just expect persecution. We talked a little bit about this last Sunday, and I shared with you that in some countries, of course, the persecution is so intense that individuals are, are being killed. They call that being martyred for, for their faith in Christ. They're not legally allowed to obtain or have in possession the Bible or any Christian literature. 
And some would say, and I shared this last week as well, that you know, America doesn't know what persecution is. But I would say this, and I shared this, there are different levels of persecution. Of course, of course mar being martyred is the extreme end of persecution, being put to death for your faith. But there, it doesn't mean that somebody poking at you or, or making fun of you because of your faith or you missing a promotion because of your faith in Christ. That still is persecution. It's a form of persecution. It, it's not as severe as we would understand it would be when you would uh, eventually possibly become martyred or martyred for your faith, but nevertheless, it's still persecution. And so we're to expect persecution, and we see that in verses 24 and 25. And we understand that men persecuted Jesus. He even said that he was persecuted. When he was ministering on here on earth, he was persecuted. And when you think about being a disciple of Jesus, a disciple doesn't outrank the master. We don't outrank Jesus, and Jesus was persecuted. So when persecution comes, we ought not to be surprised. It's not fun. Nobody likes it, and we get that. But don't be surprised by it. We're his disciples, and we don't outrank him. And it's interesting, when Jesus did his ministry while here on earth, the many of the religious leaders and people put Jesus in the league or the same category as Satan. And, and so don't be surprised when people do the same about you. They did that with Jesus. And, and yet we're called in Scripture to be joyful when we go through difficult times because of our faith in Christ. Paul says in Philippians 3.10, he says, I want you to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know. He personalizes that. He wants to know the power of Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship, listen to what Paul says, of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I mean, it was like, it was as if the Apostle Paul was saying, bring it on. I, I want to experience everything that Jesus went through. I want to have that. Bring it on. Because God's going to get me through that, and ultimately, I'm going to spend eternity with the Lord. Paul had that, that wherewithal, that understanding of his position, his identity in Christ. And then we see a picture of that in, the, in Acts when the apostles went before the council, the high council, they were like the Supreme Court, Acts 5.41, the apostles went out of the high council. They were overjoyed. They were told, and, and they were beaten, and they were told not to preach the gospel by the governing officials. And, and they were overjoyed because they had been given the honor of being dishonored. Think about it. They were happy about being disrespected. They were overjoyed about given the honor of being dishonored on the account of the name of Jesus. I mean, there was a book written by Dr. Egeritz, uh, Love and Respect, a great book for couples. And, and the premise of that book really boiled down to two things. Women need love, men need respect. When, when, when we can understand that, and that's generally speaking. And it was a great book, a lot of golden nuggets in that book. 
women need love. They need to feel love, and men need respect. So there's a difference. We're wired differently. I don't care what anybody else says. It's, that's just the way it is. And, um, and yet, the apostles felt it honored to be disrespected for the sake of Christ. And our natural reflex to being disrespected, specifically if you're a man, I, I think is, you know, the defenses go up when you feel disrespected. And yet, they felt honored to be disrespected, dishonored for the sake of Christ. It's a whole different perception when you're walking with Jesus. Expect persecution. Do not fear those who persecute you. Jesus says in verse 26 and 27, he says, don't be afraid of those who threaten you. So we're not to be, uh, have fear of those who persecute us. Why are we talking about this? Well, we're in Matthew 10, but I think it's appropriate that we talk about this because there are times that are coming that are going to be difficult. As the time draws near for Jesus rapturing and taking the church up, things are going to progressively get worse for the believer and for the world. So don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time's coming when everything that is covered will be revealed. It's all going to be exposed and that uh, all that secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in darkness, shout abroad when daylight comes, when I whisper in your ear, shout it from the housetops for all to hear. And, and um, so we have nothing to fear because the Lord is one day going to reveal truth at its very essence. And he's going to expose the darkness and judge the darkness. darkness. And we're to be confident in our faith and I, I like the phrase, the verbiage that Jesus uses. He basically says, preach from the housetops. And it's, it's a picture of confidence that we're to have as Christians. Preach from the housetops implies a confidence. You have the truth. You know, I remember when I uh, accepted Christ, it was the first time I'd heard the gospel. I'd been going to church for years, but I had never heard the gospel. And when I first heard the gospel, I responded to it. And I invited Jesus into my heart. He forgave me of all my sins. And he wrote my name in his book. The Bible says that's what happens when you get saved. His book, the Lamb's Book of Life. And so I remember thinking about that, the weeks following accepting Christ and thinking to myself, I wonder how many of my friends are Christians. They're born again. They've experienced what I just experienced, but they've never, they never told me. I was headed to hell. And, and so I, I thought deeply about that, and I thought, well, I wonder how many of my friends don't know or haven't heard the gospel. Maybe they've sat in church for years and still had never been given an opportunity to respond to the gospel. And so that inspired me to tell people about Jesus. When I started in ministry, the first Sunday I ever preached, I was an associate pastor, I was given an opportunity to preach. And the church that I was at didn't have the practice of an altar call, uh, giving people an opportunity to accept Christ. And, and so I asked the pastor, and he graciously allowed me to have an altar call, uh, the first message I preached. And I was flabbergasted that uh, a family came forward and when they came forward, I at, leaned into them, and, and, and it was right here at the altar, and I said, why, why are you coming forward? Well, you just asked if anybody wanted to accept Christ. 
and have their sins forgiven and become born again. And in my mind, I, I didn't say this, but I was thinking, well, you're one of the core families that started the church. Aren't you a Christian? I was thinking that, but obviously they had never, they'd been in church. I like what Greg Laurie used to say. I used to hear him say this, hey, just because you're in McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac, <laughs> you know? And so those thoughts were rushing through my head and I uh, didn't verbalize them, thank God. But um, I had the opportunity of leading this family to Christ. And I remember on the way home, talking to my wife and we were ha had that discussion to never assume that just because you're in church, everybody's good with God to always give that opportunity. And so that's why every Sunday at the end of my message, I give you an opportunity to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior or recommit your life to the Lord if you're not walking with the Lord the way you should. And, and you might be getting tired of that. And what I would say to you is, I'm going to keep doing it. I mean, because I don't want to ever not give people the opportunity to accept Christ. Amen. Don't fear those who persecute you. And, and here's what happens when you walk or live in that arena of fear. Fearing men causes us to, to lose peace. You lose that sense of peace. It, it causes you to lose the fervor, the passion for the commitment you made for Christ when you fear what people think because you're a Christian. And it gets you sidetracked. It really does. It gets you sidetracked and you lose uh, sight of the mission and the purpose of why we're here on earth. And I remember early on in ministry, I was preaching and um, I had a guy come down the altar and he said, Pastor Steve, I'm just a truck driver. I'm just a truck driver. And I said, no, 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 no. That's what you do. That's not who you are. You're a man of God. That's what you do. That's not who you are. So whether you're a teacher, a lawyer, you're retired, whatever it is that you do, that's what you do. That God's blessed you with the abilities and the talents to do those things. But ultimately, you're a, a child of God. You're one of the king's kids. And uh, you're a man or a woman of God. That's your identity as a believer in Jesus. Believers should only fear God. Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And so don't be afraid of people. They can only mess with you physically. Don't be afraid of that. I mean, ultimately, if it's your time, it's your time. And if you're a believer, you're going to spend eternity in heaven. What we ought to be afraid of, and this is what I learned, and I honestly learned this growing up in the Catholic Church. I, I learned some great things growing up in the Catholic Church. One of the things I learned was fearing God. I also feared the nuns too, and the, and the priests, and the priests. But they taught me to fear God. They really did. And uh, the, the person who fears God alone needs never to fear man or a group of men. Now check this out. I love this. The fear of God is the fear that cancels fear. The fear of God is, isn't that golden? The fear of God is the fear that cancels all fear. The fear of God. So believers 
should only fear God. And that's a healthy, respectful, reverent fear. We fear God. That's okay. It, it's kind of like the same fear that a parent, and some of you might disagree with this, that a parent uh, expresses in the parenting process with their children. There's consequences if you step out of line. So that that's what keeps things in check in the home. If there's no consequences, then there's no discipline. And the Bible's clear. If you read Proverbs, great for parents, great for businessmen, great for businesswomen, great for marriages. Proverbs, there's 31 chapters. Check it out. It's amazing. Gold nuggets from God. And there's quite a bit of... Uh, scripture in the book of Proverbs about lack of discipline and how it makes our children go wayward. Believers should only fear God. But understand another aspect of, of having victory over fear of being a believer and having uh, victory over the fear that comes sometimes and cripples us from sharing our faith with others is not understanding how much God cares for you. God cares for you. Look at verse 29 through 31. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall from the ground without the Father knowing it. What Jesus is saying is God knows everything. He is fully aware of everything that's going on. And just that analogy of using those sparrows... You know, I grew up, and I still am this way, I love animals. And somebody said, are you a dog or a cat person? I'm a both person. I like them both. I like all animals. In fact, for many years as a young person, I, my goal, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And so I really like animals. I like all kinds of animals, really into it. I love the wild birds and stuff. I enjoy having the windows open, listening to the birds and things like that. And um, there was one bird that uh, we didn't recognize, had a beautiful song recently that we've been listening to around the house. And, um, but we didn't know what kind of bird it was. It didn't sound familiar. And we've been out here for quite a few years. And I got this app that it could record. I it downloaded it for free on my phone. And, and, um, and it told me what kind of bird it was. It was a wren, W-R-E-N. It was a wren. And this bird sang very similarly to a canary, that kind of songbird, really unique, beautiful song. And we were so blessed that uh, these wrens decided to make a nest in one of our house plants in the backyard. It was cool. And, and you know, it's kind of iffy when birds do that, how long, you know, they can go undetected. And every, but everything went well and, and went to fruition and the baby birds were born and and now we have these wrens that sing beautifully that hang around the house. Now, you've all met Dex before. Dex is my black lab. Now, you've heard me talk about him. I've taken pictures of him and posted it on social media. Um, I was thinking about maybe starting a blog that Dex was the star of, but uh, I don't have time for that. <laughs> but anyway, I take Dex for walks. And I was taking him for a walk the other night, and... I didn't have my glasses on, and it was at night, and we're coming back to the home, and we're getting close to the porch, and I see 
on the top above my door, the trim above the door, the front door. I'm on the outside heading towards the porch, and I see these fingers like this. And what in the world? It almost looked like a glove up there. Remember, I didn't have my glasses on. And then, I, then your imagination starts going, right? <laughs> I was thinking, oh, is that a tarantula? Now, of course, with me, that would be cool, you know, if it was. And um, so I'm looking at, yeah, some of you are going, no. But I'm, and then I realized I got closer and closer and closer, and I realized it was the, there were four wrens, the birds, songbirds, they were facing the house, so their back was towards me with their tail, and their tail was kind of moving, and it looked like fingers, you know, and of course, I told you my mind was going, I thought maybe it might have been a tarantula, but it was those wrens, and so we very carefully opened the door, walked in. They didn't fly off, and so they kind of hang out there now, and they've gotten used to us, and it's such a cool thing that they were birthed on our property and kind of hanging around, and we have about this animal sanctuary and, but I was thinking about that. God cares about those wrens. He cares. He knows exactly when one of those birds is having a hard time. And that's a picture of how much more valuable are we? We're the only aspect of his creation, of all that God created, that bear his image. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is God cares about you. If he's keeping track of all these birds and different things that are going on that he's created, he certainly is keeping track of you. He's not going to leave you. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. And I was thinking about all the things that God has created and the majesty and just the faith that it requires of us to walk and trust the Lord for every aspect of our life. And I got to thinking about that. And I was thinking that, you know, there's a lot of people that don't have a relationship with the Lord. And there are some people that don't even believe in God. In fact, they, they, they would classify themselves or acknowledge themselves as atheists. They don't believe that there is even a God. And I would say that that takes a great amount of faith to be an atheist. And of course, they would smirk at me if they heard me say that. But I heard this illustration the other day, and I don't remember where I heard it, but it would be like, now how many of you have a clicker to open your garage? Raise your hand. I think everybody, you click it and the garage door opens. And um, can you imagine one day, now you know your garage is empty and it's ready for you to pull your car in if you ha are fortunate enough to have a garage that you can pour your, pull your car in. And um, so you can't, think about this though, you click that clicker, the garage door goes up, and all of a sudden, you've never noticed it, never, it was never there before, but all of a sudden that garage door is going up and you see original paintings by Monet or Picasso, and they're on easels, and they're the originals, and they're magnificent, right? They just appear just like that. Well, the atheist would say, yeah, that's how, how all this came. It just all of a sudden appeared, just like that. I thought, what a great illustration that demonstrates, no, there's a, an, an intelligent designer, and his name is Jesus. And he created all this. And as big as it is, and if you've ever stood at the face of the Grand Canyon, just on the edge, and looked across it, it's at that moment you realize how small you are and how big God is. And you realize how insignificant you are in the scheme of things. And yet, when you tap into the truth of God's word, you realize you are not insignificant. 
that you are very significant to God, that he cares for you. Amen? First Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and care to God, for He cares about you. And I've tried to work out my worries. I have tried to wrestle and strategize and manipulate and maneuver and do, figure out the logistics to try and figure out my problems all throughout life. And you know what it does? It just causes fret. It causes stress. It creates anxiety. And one of the things that I've stumbled on in God's Word is if I give that stuff, the uncertainties, the troubles, the challenges, if I give that to God, it certainly takes it off my shoulders, takes it off my back. I've realized that God truly can handle the most difficult of challenges that I experience. Another step or tool is Christ honors those who confess Him. And when we put our trust in God, that's, that's confessing Him. When we really practice our faith and give God our issues, our struggles. Jesus said, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I'll acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me on earth, I'll deny before my Father in heaven. To confess Jesus at times is verbal confession, but many times it means you back up your talk with your walk. It's the statement that you speak with how you live your life. It's one thing to say Jesus Christ is Lord, and it's quite another thing to surrender and be obedient to His will and His way of doing things. And, and I really believe Christ can be denied in a number of ways. Certainly, you can deny Christ through the words that you speak. You can deny Christ through your actions and how you live your life. And you can also, and you didn't, maybe didn't realize this, you can deny Christ by just being silent. And I believe God has called us as believers to not be silent, to be the gatekeepers, to be those who speak and stand for the truth, to stand up for righteousness, to protect the downtrodden. I believe that with all my heart. But sometimes, well, let's be honest. Pretty much all the time, life is pretty difficult, isn't it? Life's not an easy gig. Being a Christian and committed to Christ certainly is not an easy gig. But when you understand your identity in Christ, you don't put all your stakes, you don't put all your chips on this life. You realize there's a life to come. And the Bible calls that a blessed hope. But the burdens of life can be overwhelming, can't they? The struggles, they can be suffocating. Now I'm going to close with a story. It might seem kind of silly. It's really the title of the message, Shake It Off and Step Up. But I've found that some of the silliest, simplest things have the most profound effect on my life. And this is a parable told of a farmer. He owned an old mule. 
and the mule fell into the farmer's well. And the farmer heard the mule braying, or whatever it is mules do when they fall into a well. And after carefully assessing the, the situation, the farmer sympathized with the mule, but he decided that neither the mule or the well were worth the trouble of saving. Instead, he called his neighbors together and he told them what had happened and he enlisted them to help him haul dirt to bury the old mule in the well and put him out of his misery. Initially, the old mule was hysterical, but as the farmer and his neighbors continued shoveling the dirt and the shovel dirt hit his back, a thought struck the old mule. It suddenly dawned on him that Every time a shovel load of dirt landed on his back, he'd just shake it off and step up. <laughs> this he did blow after blow. Shook it off. He stepped up. He'd shake it off. He'd step up. Shake it off. Step up. He kept telling himself, and he kept doing it, blow after blow. And no matter how painful the blows or how distressed the situation seemed, the old mule fought the panic, and he just kept right on shaking it off and stepping up. It wasn't long before the old mule, battered and exhausted, stepped triumphantly over the wall of that well. What seemed like would bury him actually blessed him, all because of the manner in which he handled his adversity. <laughs> That's life, isn't it? We face problems and we respond to them positively. We refuse to give in to the panic, the bitterness, the self-pity, the advers adversaries that come or the adversities that come along have the potential of burying us but within them lies the benefit of blessing us i want to encourage you this morning whatever you're experiencing whatever difficulties you're encountering to shake it off and step up to a right relationship with jesus christ putting your faith and your trust in the Lord. I want to encourage you to do that this morning, to take your eyes off all the distractions that create a negative environment right here, shake it off, and then step up to who God has called you to be. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to give you an opportunity to shake it off and to step up to a right relationship with the Lord, to a new commitment, a new beginning this July 2nd. Right now, with every head bowed and all eyes closed. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, would you do that this morning? If you have given your heart to Jesus Christ and you're not walking with the Lord, would you recommit your life to Jesus right now? And if you've been carrying baggage, luggage, burdens, heaviness, God has something special for you right now. He wants to lift that. 
He wants to lift that heaviness from you so you can walk in freedom from this day forward. Father, I pray for each person here. I pray that you'd open up the floodgates of blessing, of lifting burdens. Lord, I pray that you would bless those who are giving their life to you for the very first time, that new beginning, that sense of realization of sin for, forgiven and eternal life had through you, Jesus. I pray for those who are going to recommit their life to you right now, Lord, that today's the day, the beginning of a whole new blessed, deep, loving relationship with you. As your heads are bowed, would you pray this prayer? If you're giving your heart to Jesus Christ or, or you're rededicating your life to the Lord, would you pray this prayer right now with me out loud? Dear Jesus, I come to you and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave. Jesus, I now ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I recommit my life to you in Jesus' name. I want you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed in prayer, in reverence. And those of you who, are, who today realize you need to shake it off and step up. That's the burdens, the heaviness, the disappointments, to shake it off and step up to a new beginning. I want you to pray this. God, I'm ready to shake it off. My burdens, my disappointments, I'm ready to step in and up with you, Jesus, guiding me all the way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Praise God. Amen. Will you all stand to your feet? Go ahead and stand to your feet. If you gave your heart to Jesus Christ for the first time this morning, if you're watching us online and you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, there's one of two things I'd like you to do. If you're watching online, there's probably only one thing you can do, and that's text the word pray to the number you see on the screen. If you're here on campus, you can do that as well. Text the word pray to the number you see on the screen or fill out a connection card. They're throughout the facility. You'll see them. Turn them into the buckets. I want to encourage you in your newfound faith, your commitment that you made with Christ. If you have a praise report, go ahead and put that down. If you made a commitment with Jesus, fill out a connection card or uh, text the word pray to the number you see on the screen. I personally want to encourage you in your faith walk with Jesus Christ. And in closing, the praise team's going to close us in a song. I'm going to be up here for a few minutes, and some of our leaders will be up here to pray for you if you have a prayer request. And then we're going into a meeting. Uh, as soon as we're done, it's going to be a very short meeting, but it's concerning our July 22nd, which is a Saturday, July 22nd, all-church beach trip. And I need your help. And if you can stay and you want to help, um, then I'll, I'll walk you through what kind of help I need with that. God bless you. Happy 4th.